Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning, Diaria! It's time to wake up. It's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports. On 95.7, the game. Come on! Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Lankford did on the pregame show, 95.7, the game, leading you up until 6 o'clock as the morning roast will take you until 10. Finally, we got some Warriors basketball. They are back tonight against the 76ers, who will be without Joel Embiid. We had some stuff happen yesterday with Steve Kerr as he went on a podcast and he, uh, and you know, he made a comment about uh, playing back in uh, with the team, or excuse me, being the head coach of the team back in 2019 and saying last year uh, was a little more enjoyable coaching wise and it all got turned into something that it wasn't so we'll recap that a little bit but he was on that podcast uh, with Logan Murdoch and and Raja Bell real ones uh, part of the ringer podcast network and it's a it's a great podcast I highly recommend uh, you listen to it I mean they do some really really good stuff and there were a couple of things that stood out to me besides the comments that got a little overblown. So uh, we'll go a little bit of a different direction. I know that's what made the news, and we'll play Steve Kerr's reaction for you in case you hadn't heard it yet. But there's something else that he said in that podcast which uh, really caught my attention, and I also want to tie that into something uh, that Draymond talked about on a separate podcast. So we're going to be doing a cross a cross podcast show today uh with the Warriors and then also uh a little Giants talk too because they ranked at a certain position their farm system did according to MLB Pipeline who came out with their rankings 1 through 30 yesterday and um this is why as a matter of fact, both teams uh, in the Bay Area, and I look at their farm systems and where they're ranked right now, uh, has me a little worried going forward. So I'll explain that. But you know what? Let's get to this first. We did have some sports going on in the Bay Area last night as we had 
the San Jose Sharks beating the Kings. Donato with Curtis Gabriel. Donato on his backhand. They score! The speed of Ryan Donato. Jonathan Quick couldn't get back across. And it's 2-1 Sharks. The Sharks moved to 12-14-4 on the year. Martin Jones had an unbelievable 41 saves. And Ryan Donato, who's been uh, a nice young piece for them, he uh, he is um, he's been I think he's been a breath of fresh air. Uh, if you are a Sharks fan, and he has brought that energy, not only has he brought that energy, but so has uh, Curtis Gabriel, who is fighting yet again. If you just tuned into the first period and you saw uh, Curtis Gabriel, what he was doing, it's just. I don't know. It's just hilarious the way that uh, the way that he operates. He pushed the guy before the puck was even dropped, and then uh, they dropped gloves eventually during the game. So uh, overall, very entertaining hockey game if you check that out. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero, of course, is the text line as well as the phone number. Um. As we uh, bounce around here, another piece of news that surfaced yesterday was that Jaquaski Tart has signed a one-year deal with the 49ers, and he will be battling for that uh, strong safety spot. And here's where I'm at with Jaquaski Tart, and I know that he hasn't stayed on the field for nearly as long as you want your guy to stay on the field, but... I do think that when you watch Jaquaski Tart play, there are a couple of things that stand out. And it's any time that he has gone down uh, with an injury, it's been tough for the guy to replace him. Now, whether you make that uh, Marcel Harris or Tarvarius Moore, whoever it may be, it feels like whenever Jaquaski Tart is on the field, he is the best option that they have at strong safety, in my opinion. And the reason I say that is because he has such a good chemistry with Jimmy Ward that communication back there is key. You can have, you know, you can have the greatest free safeties and strong safeties in the world, but if they don't have good chemistry and don't know each other's tendencies, then things can kind of go haywire. And I think that Jimmy Ward does a a good enough job job covering the middle of the field while Joukowsky Tart can play a, a little more up in the box. And I, I think that they're both very good, and I actually really like this signing. It's just a question of what they're going to do with their nickel corner, and I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Jamar Taylor is the type of guy that could take the starting spot there. So um, those are just a couple of things, though, because with Tart and that experience that comes along with it, I think it was a necessary move um, that they made. And, you know, it's nothing that's too splashy. It's nothing that's going to, uh, you know, jump you out of your socks. But I do think that it was um, necessary what they needed to do there. And, and also, I want to redo because Jaquaski Tart, you know, uh, he he was he came on our weekend show once. It was me and Tommy Call. We were doing a weekend show on the Saturday, and they were on their way to face the Rams. 
I had a question to start the interview, and I thought it was going to be kind of tongue-in-cheek, the way that I had it phrased out. Um, I wrote it down, but completely botched my my writing, and, <laughs> and it just went to bleep. But uh, what I asked was, I wanted to ask, hey, even though you're going to L.A., do you still get food on those flights? And instead, I just, you know, instead of giving any context and actually making the question sound sensible, sound less stupid. Instead, it just came out, uh, uh, do you get any food on those uh, on those football flights? And the, the, the stuttering and the mumbling is thrown in there because that's exactly how it sounded. And he just responded, he's just like, yeah. <laughs> like, so, one more year, I need a redo with Joukowsky's heart in the opening question and uh, not ask him simply, uh, yeah, do you get any food uh, on your on your flight? Oh, my goodness. Um, so, I want to preview some of this sound that we're going to be going to today and what I want to talk about on the back end uh, of the show is just the core of... Steph, Clay, and Dre. You know, the trade deadline is coming up uh, in about a day and a half and at uh, at 12 p.m. on Thursday on the 25th. That's when everything gets rolling. And we'll, we'll have a lot to talk about surrounding that. There was an update uh, regarding the Warriors and their talk uh, with Aaron Gordon. But... Um, I do want to talk about the core, though, that we are going to be looking at for the next couple of years. And, you know, we're always wondering, um, you know, Dre, Clay, are they going to be the same guys next season? How can you be so sure that they're going to be a championship contender uh, for these ne- this next season, for the next seasons that you have them under contract uh, when Clay's coming off the injury? And Draymond is only uh, going to continue to get older. So those are questions that are looming. But I think that the intangibles are something that, you know, they're kind of corny <laughs> and super cliche. But the intangibles that we talk about, like I just mentioned with Jaquaski Tart and Jimmy Warden, I think that those two guys, um, they have the chemistry that's necessary to be successful uh, at the free safety and the strong safety position. Um but we wonder constantly with Draymond, who's the one that's holding him accountable? Who is the one that is telling Draymond when he's doing something wrong? Well, Draymond was on the Dubs Talk podcast with Grant Lifman and Kendra Andrews, a part of NBC Sports Bay Area. And the entire episode is going to come out, but they came out with a little preview here. And uh, this is a time... When Draymond and Clay, they asked about, uh, he, he asked, uh, Grant asked him, asked Draymond about, you know, the times that he would get under Clay's skin or uh, when then two would go at it. So Draymond gave an example from this season about a run in with Clay. This is a two parter here. I think the next day was the game I got kicked out of the game in Charlotte. We were in Orlando uh, a few weeks back when we played in Orlando and. You know, we had just lost the game by two points or something. We should have won the game. I was pissed off. And I walk in the locker room and Clay's back. He's literally facing in towards the locker, eating something and, like, just bobbing his head, listening to some music. 
and I went crazy. I'm like, bro, what you, what you doing? Like, we just lost. You in here just bobbing your head, your back turned. You ain't going to say nothing to nobody when we walk in the locker room. You just going to sit there. You're not going to say nothing to nobody. He was furious. He was like, oh, my fault, bro. Good game. And like, <laughs> and he left the locker room. And he was furious. I mean, furious. So you have that, and that's something you don't normally hear uh, from Clay. Whenever you're hearing stories about Clay, uh, they're normally ones that are more chill, kind of funny. But this one, it seemed Clay was uh, legitimately mad. And so Draymond continued and talked about when Clay snapped back at him. I think the next day was the game I got kicked out of the game in Charlotte. And he said something in the locker room right after the game. The team huddled up and he said, Dre, you know, you got at me the other day about not being on the bench and, you know, not being supportive. And that was BS. I, I, I don't think I can say what I want to say on, on here, but that was BS. And, and you got to be better than that. You let the team down. You let the guys down. These guys play really hard to win that game. You let the guys down. That's not acceptable. You know, and so... I said all of that to say, yes, I definitely still hold him accountable, but that's a two-way street. You know, you don't win uh, three championships, go to five straight five straight finals, and experience the success that we've experienced together if you can't hold each other accountable. So I guess my precursor to this, and um, the reason why I want to talk about uh, the core on the back half of the show, is hearing that and thinking – you know, as the trade deadline approaches and what are we going to do with their contracts? Are we going to keep these contracts around? Are we going to trade them for bigger stars? I will say that the intangibles regarding the Warriors and what they bring is something that can't go overlooked. You know, you could just automatically say, yeah, trade one of these contracts and bring in a player who's going to uh, score some more points for you. But if they don't understand the culture like these du- these dudes do and understand how they do things, like this core that they have with Steph, Clay, and Dre, it's something, in my opinion, that needs to remain intact for at least one more season because you heard it there. It's clear that Draymond and Clay have that professional relationship where they can, like he mentions, hold each other accountable. And I think that's so important uh, for a team going forward because everyone's always talking about, you know, who's giving Dre um, uh, uh, the business on the court? Who's the one yelling at him? Well, the only other guys, and what I'm saying, what, what my argument has been with that is that none of these other younger players, whether it be Ubre or Wiggins, who are normally the ones starting with them, Steph isn't you know that the kind of guy that's going to be um, you know yelling and making a scene. And then of course you got uh, Kavon Looney, who's uh, not the type of guy to yell at another teammate either. But when you hear that, it seems like Clay is the one who is holding the accountability for Draymond. And I think that's so important to establish uh, going forward, especially going into next season. Now, uh, we'll get to what Steve Kerr had to say uh, on the podcast with Logan Murdoch and Raja Bell. And I'll kind of recap everything for you and I'll I'll play his reaction to it, Steve Kerr's reaction. uh, But I think he kind of put any conversation about it uh, to bed with what he had to say. But he also mentioned something else 
regarding Steph Curry on the podcast that I wanted to get to later on in the program. So that'll be coming up. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. But coming up next, MLB.com, MLB Pipeline, released their farm system rankings for every major league team. Why these rankings are so important, I'll explain why, and I'll also explain where the Giants and A's land on this list and um, why the Giants are at least in some hot water when looking at these rankings. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. Stephen Lankford on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Yep. Grab snitches, telling all their business. That's all I can do. From MF Doom. Rest in peace, MF Doom. I, I don't, you know, it's very rare where you get an artist who has not made a bad song. And MF Doom is right up there, whether it be, you know, I mean, Danger Doom, Mad Villain, whichever one of his aliases he was using. Never a bad song from MF Doom. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number uh, if you want to weigh in. So MLB.com, and, and, and we'll get to Steve Kerr and everything that happened with a tweet that came out um essentially putting zero context to what Steve Kerr had to say regarding his time coaching the Warriors so we'll get to that in Kerr's response but I got something else if you haven't listened to the podcast I got something else that Steve Kerr mentioned on the pod with Logan Murdoch and Raja Bell uh the real ones podcast part of the Ringer podcast network I got some other stuff that Steve Kerr said, which I did find interesting, uh, that has to do with just the core and why I believe they'll be together uh, in the future. But MLB.com, MLB Pipeline, rather, came out with their farm system rankings, and I want to go over them for the A's as well as the Giants. So... You know, you may not be thinking in your head and if you're in your car driving right now and, you know, you're wondering why do these rankings even matter? Like, what's the what's the point? (laughs) What's the point of worrying about farm system rankings? Well, in these rankings, the track record is pretty good. And it mentions here that and they've been doing this since 2015. And every organization that has claimed a top spot on their rankings has enjoyed some sort of success on the field. So, for example, the Cubs, pre-2015, they were up there. The Red Sox, in the middle of 2015, and the Dodgers in preseason of 2016. They all won World Series championships, and they were all, at one point, number one on the list. And, of course, these are just the preseason rankings, and, you know, they use the Cubs and the Dodgers as the examples. But they also use the Brewers, the Braves, 
the White Sox, the Padres, uh, uh, the Rays in 2020 and going through 2020, and they are currently number one at the moment. But really, what I'm getting at is whenever somebody sits atop these rankings, it normally means they're pretty well set up for the future. And right now, the Tampa Bay Rays are number one, and I'll give you one reason. That's Wander Franco. Wander Franco, you know, I got a I got a buddy who works within the minor leagues. He's been telling me about Wander Franco since this dude was 16 years old. Like, this guy is supposed to be a, a, a phenom. So, really excited to see what Wander Franco can, Franco can do. He's number one prospect in baseball right now. Um, and, uh, and he was, he's with the Rays system at the current moment. And of course, we know about their younger players that they have. Arosa Reina being the popular one because of what he did in the, in the playoffs and, and all of that. And you got a bunch of teams that are ranked within the top 10. Well, let's start off with the A's because they are a little, uh, lower in the rankings at the current moment. Their farm system, according to MLB Pipeline, and this is their preseason ranking, is 26. And right now, among their top 100 prospects that MLB has, according to MLB Pipeline, the A's don't have a single one on there. Now, Jesus Lazardo and Sean Murphy, there are a couple of nice young players. A.J. Puck, we're uh, awaiting to see what happens with him and if, if he could just stay healthy, what he would look like uh, with a healthy season. But what that's telling me now and what and the type of strength that the A's have with and, and you know, it's tough with the A's, right? Because they're not the type of team to pay their players. You know, they let Marcus Simeon go um, to the Blue Jays. Could assign him to just a, a a one-year deal that was worth pretty much the same value of what they got Chris Davis at contract-wise. And they don't spend money on their players, but when their farm system rankings are down in the bottom fourth, the bottom quarter at 26th, that tells me that they are in win right now mode and they have to be because in the future you're gonna have to pay the mats you're gonna have to pay chapman and olsen don't know whether that's going to happen you know lizardo is gonna want to is gonna be a, a the type of pitcher that you want as a key piece going forward they didn't pay liam Hendricks. now he's at the white Sox, and he had one of the great uh he had one of the great preseason photos uh, that they did when they had uh, picture day. He, why am, why am I blanking on dude from major league's name, but they got the guy from the, uh, uh, from the white Sox who would do the uh, little shimmy, who of course was on the uh, Cleveland Indians first, and then eventually got moved. Um, why his name's escaping me. That really annoys me, but he imitated that dude uh, on his white Sox preseason picture. Who knows what they're going to do with closer, you know, Ramon Laureano, he's a great piece to have. Now, all these dudes. But if you're telling me that their farm system is ranked 26 right now and it could change, I'll give you an update when they do their midseason rankings. But when they're at 26 and they don't have a young crop of players coming up like they did, which is how they got you know, the team that they have now, I believe that if they don't win 
in these next couple of years and they just decide to not pay their players and continue to do uh, the type of business that the A's do, then they're looking like they could be in some real trouble for the for the uh, the coming years. I mean, <laughs> you know, the Angels are ranked right above them uh, at 25th, so there's not much to worry about there. But the Mariners are ranked within the top 10. So these other teams, you know, they're going to come with their – with their younger players, with their young prospects, and uh, you know, hope to hold the A's to uh, just another standing in the AL West because they've certainly been uh, one of the best teams in the West, and they're going to continue to be the best teams in the West. That is until they got to start to pay their players, and we'll see which guys that they can keep on. Uh, but the Giants, they are currently ranked. Thank you, Parkman. Thank you, 209. That was the guy that I'm referring to for Major League. Uh, but the Giants right now are currently ranked 11th. Last year, before the season, they were ranked 10th. And in the middle of the season, they were ranked 13th. And you got a crop of young guys. You know, Marco Luciano, can't wait for him. When he gets developed and, you know, he grows even more into his body. I think that Luciano is going to just be a more than capable utility type of infielder because he looks great uh, at shortstop. Joey Bart and Patrick Bailey are an interesting one. I'm not saying that they are going to trade either of those guys at the current moment, but I will say that for me, Joey Bart and Patrick Bailey, those are two very, very talented catchers, and we'll see... What happens with Bart? I think he's going to be in the minor leagues um, for this year going forward. Let Buster Posey uh, play out the last year of his contract, and then eventually you call up Joey Bart and hope that with some time in the minor leagues, and maybe he'll get called up back to the big leagues uh, soon enough this year if the time is right, but I think he's going. To, they want him to spend some time in the minor leagues. Patrick Bailey is the other catcher that they drafted and in the first round, and I think at the time... To me, they were just taking who was the best player available. And catchers these days, especially ones who can not only play defense but can also hit and have that potential to be good hitting catchers, um, those are hard to come by. So I don't think those guys will be trade pieces now, but I think going down the line, you'll be able to look at those prospects and then possibly uh, bring in a bigger-name player if the timing is right. Um Elliot Ramos is also another one that everyone's looking forward to. Had a good spring training. Uh, won't be on the opening day roster, but I think he'll get called up soon enough. And then Hunter Bishop, you know, the young outfielder. We'll see what happens with him. And I think that they got a lot of young pitchers who they really like and guys who they feel they can develop through the farm system. But I will say that them being ranked at number 11th is... Not the highest for the National League West. The highest National League West ranked team in MLB Pipeline's preseason farm system rankings are the Padres. And they're currently at sixth. So, look, the Giants obviously aren't going to do much this year. But there is some hope for the future in that their farm system is currently ranked um, in the 11th spot. We'll see how it lasts going into midseason and how those prospects develop and whether that list changes. But again, like I mentioned, if you are toward the top of this list, 
most teams, they have a pretty good sample size. Most teams have been successful whenever they are atop the list. So 11th isn't the best, but it at least shows um, they're going somewhere in baseball's eyes. Uh, 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. But coming up next, if you saw this go viral, we'll explain what happened, but Steve Kerr uh, was on a podcast, the Real Ones podcast, with Logan Murdoch and Raja Bell, and they are part of the Ringer Podcast Network. They do a, a fantastic job. I mean, they interviewed uh, David West a, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, there was one with Amin Al-Hassan, which was just hilarious. They got a lot of good interviews and a lot of good stuff on their pod. So um, we'll play what Steve Kerr had to say coming up next and uh, what made the viral rounds. But I want to play something else that Steve Kerr talked about um, regarding Steph Curry on the podcast. So we'll get to that next. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Stephen Langford on the pregame show. Ninety five seven. The guy. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. N-E-R-D. Nelly Furtado. Get your morning started. 537. A little N-E-R-D. And Nelly Furtado. As I dance and snap off. B. Yeah. Oh, man. Steven Leifert it on the pregame show if you are still tuned in. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. And before we get to what happened with uh, Steve Kerr and a Warriors reporter, a Warriors outsider, we'll get to that in a, in a, in a couple of seconds. And, you know, I, I just think that the the beef has been squashed. One guy made a mistake and uh, it got put out on social media, and you may have read uh, a push notification that came out saying, you know, Steve Kerr was talking about Kevin Durant and, you know, the fact that he enjoyed uh, coaching last year's team in 2020 more than that uh, 2019 team where they lost to the uh, Raptors in the finals. So we'll clear that up uh, right here. But there was another thing that he said on there was another thing that he said on the podcast which stood out to me. And I also think something else that I heard Draymond said uh, also stood out to me on a different podcast. And it kind of ties it all in together. And I just want to talk about um, the Warriors core and why I do think that even though it might be a homer take, whatever you want to say, I do think that keeping that core intact going forward is uh, is vital. So we'll get to that. But uh, just real quick, want to give a shout-out to the Sharks. Ryan Donato with Curtis Gabriel. Donato on his backhand. They score! The speed of Ryan Donato. Jonathan Quick couldn't get back across. And it's 2-1 Sharks. And they're currently 12-14-4 and 14 and four on the year. Martin Jones had 41 saves. In this one, hey, don't, don't, it, it, when we're talking about bringing in a young backup to 
Jimmy Garoppolo, hell, a veteran backup to Jimmy Garoppolo, whoever whoever it is, and we think that this guy could give Jimmy G some of the motivation to be better at starting quarterback to keep his job. Well, enter in Devin Dubnik. Dude's actually been playing pretty well lately. The defense is still eh, but overall 41 saves. What can you do with that as the Sharks uh, win that one last night against the L.A. Kings? And, you know, you love it when uh, a Bay Area team can beat an L.A. team. So shout out to the Sharks who have been uh, playing not as bad uh, as of late, which is, you know, tough expectation, but... uh, Hey, I mean, it's a, it's a tough division that they're in, tough conference in general. Uh, so shout-out to the Sharks. Shout-out to NBC Sports Bay Area for the call. Shout-out to Ryan Donato. You're holding up the number 16 well. Uh, if Devin Setaguchi wore that number at one point, you better wear it with pride. Um, so Steve Kerr. <laughs> gosh. Steve Kerr. He was on the Real Ones podcast with Logan Murdoch and Raja Bell, uh, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Now, this podcast is great. If you're a basketball fan, I highly recommend uh, you check it out. Um, they do some great interviews. Uh, they give some great basketball analysis from the outside looking in. And then, uh, you know, of course, Logan Murdoch used to cover the Warriors. So um, there's always that hanging over. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's always great to hear their podcast. And Steve Kerr was on the podcast. And uh, this made the rounds on Twitter yesterday because – it originally um, was construed as him when he mentioned, when Steve Kerr mentioned that he enjoyed uh, playing or he enjoyed coaching the 2020 team more than the one in 2019. And in this tweet, they mentioned that Kevin Durant's name was was there, and um, you know it, it spurred a whole thing on with. Kevin Durant and Steve Kerr. Steve, uh, Kevin Durant responded to the tweet online, and then Steve Kerr, uh, before or excuse me, after his his practice doing the the press conference, he had to clarify it. But let's listen to the original audio. Here's Steve Kerr uh, on the Real Ones podcast uh, with Logan Murdoch and Rajah Bell. I think every year is different. Uh, I would tell you the uh, the first four years of our run. The coaching was way more fun just because we were, we were joyful and, and everything was simple and no agendas. And then, you know, that last year things kind of went haywire. And so even though we went to the finals, it was difficult. I enjoyed last season when we had the worst record in the league more than I enjoyed that last season. And when we went to the finals, because, you know, we had young guys last year who were, you know, trying every day and working hard. We had a great energy, great spirit, great camaraderie. And losing sucked, but you know that what you want is a good vibe and a good. You you want to look forward to going to the gym every day and seeing mm-hmm. everybody. And that last year was tough. It really was tough. The, la- the last year when we lost to Toronto in the finals, it, there was just a, a lot going on that you guys, some that you know about, some that you don't, and that was very difficult. So it's it's hard. You know, every year is unique, and you 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 try to enjoy each one for what it is. So he mentioned that, and you know. Drew Schiller tweeted it out, and look, he made a mistake. He clearly heard heard it different. Um, you know, sometimes when you are, uh, sometimes when you're listening to these things, legitimately, 
instead of just listening to it, you're, you're more trying to maybe get notes out of it or something for the show like me. I got something that Steve Kerr said later on in the podcast about Steph. And, you know, that might be reading a little too much in between the lines, but it's something uh, that we have to do when we hear this stuff. And when Drew Schiller clearly, clearly heard that and, and tweeted it out, um, you know, there was no mention of Kevin Durant's name and a majority of the podcast. Kerr had nothing but good things to say about Durant whenever they did ask about uh, his time coaching then. And, you know, seeing Durant back with the Nets now, he reiterated everything that he's already said before, which is that it's good to see him back out on the court, love seeing him play, and, you know, all these, all, all these different things. And then Steve Kerr, though, did address um, the tweet regarding Kevin Durant, and I've never really heard uh, Steve Kerr like this. Take a listen. This is the first part. The second thing I wanted to bring up is uh, Raymond alerted me to something. I, I did a podcast a few nights ago with uh, Logan Murdoch, and I mentioned uh, during the podcast that uh, last season, in which we had the worst record in the league, was more enjoyable from a coaching standpoint than the previous season when we lost in the finals. And uh, the context was basically that after the five-year run, that we were on that fifth year was just an absolute bear. The stress level, you know, two season ending injuries during the finals. You know, DeMarcus also had a serious injury that took him out of the playoffs for six weeks. We had all kinds of stress. The whole point of the conversation was this, the stress of the, uh, the five year run compared to coaching a team of young guys that doesn't win any game, many games, uh, but is eager to learn. And I made the comment sort of offhanded that last year was more enjoyable than that previous season. That was it. That was my comment. Drew Schiller decided to tweet today that Steve Kerr said he enjoyed last season more than Kevin Durant's last year with the Warriors. Okay. So I want to make this extremely clear. If you, if you want to actually get the story accurate, I encourage you to listen to the podcast before we sort of take this story into offshoots and use that as my quote, because um, that is the furthest thing from the truth. It was a terribly unfair shot, completely taking something out of context to the point where people are going to read it and think that that was my quote. You guys have all been very fair to me over the years, and I rarely have any complaints. I know that uh, I am fair game for criticism anytime Anytime we play a game, I'm going to make bad decisions that you can criticize. I'm going to uh, do plenty of things that you can criticize, and I deserve it. And here's the uh, second part of his response. To take that comment and put it into a tweet and send it out into the universe was so irresponsible and damaging. And I'm angry. And I know what's going to happen. I know this is going to be taken out and onto the morning shows and people are going to be talking about it. And they're going to use what they think is a quote that is actually something that's completely made up. I'm not happy. Um, I think it's it's wrong. Again, I, I try to be candid. I try to, to share everything so that our fans know what our team's going through, what I'm going through. We like to share our story. It's a big part of promoting our team. So this is really concerning for me. It's part of modern media, maybe, but it's it's dead wrong, and I'm I'm upset about it. And I and I don't know if he, uh, you know, when he's talking about a, uh, I don't know if he's talking about a, you know, morning show. At 5:47 in the morning, I'm sure Steve Kerr. I'm sure he listens to. Uh, I'm sure he listens to the pregame show every morning from five to six, and he knew exactly uh, that it would be getting played here. But not after listening to the podcast, and I, I think this goes to a, a larger point that he's making making here. And um, Drew Schiller confirmed that they had a phone conversation um, last night, and that 
um, you know, that he he, pre- he pretty much sent out an entire apology explaining everything um, that Steve Kerr mentioned was right in that, you know, he's in the wrong and he apologized and he made the mistake. Although I wonder if it, it just does cause some unnecessary just like, hey, yeah, Steve, instead of having to worry about, you know, the Sixers tomorrow night, you got to call Kevin Durant maybe and just tell him like, hey, that was taken out of context. But I do think that this speaks to um, something else. And it's that. Look, I'm going to be on the player's side and the coach's side here. We always think just because, you know, they're athletes and compared to um, a lot of people who do struggle, um, you know, with the amount of money that these NBA players are making, the amount of money that these coaches are making, um, you can't really, you know, empathize with them. And it's it's kind of hard. And, it is, you know, from the outside looking in, it's just like, well, you're making millions of dollars to do what you do. You know, I'm not going to feel bad about that. But when Steve Kerr mentions um, that in 2020, it was uh, almost more enjoyable. You could hear it was more enjoyable than in 2019. You could kind of hear um, it was a tongue in cheek type of comment. That's how I took it in that. Look. It's stressful getting to a championship. You know, guys like Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, they're not just, you know, naturally they are good football minds because they've grown up with it and the people that they've grown up around and, you know, whoever they've coached under. But it's not only that, it's the work ethic that these coaches really do have. And yes, you know, going toward your fifth straight final and you are in the third year of having, you know, one of the most dynamic, just great offenses that the game's ever seen. You're on the tail end of that. And all the stress after November, I mean, that must have been... uh it must have been something that's tough to bear just as a coach and what Steve Kerr had to go through. And it's that in that second year, you know, you do have that pressure or excuse me, in that last year in 2020 when, you know, everyone went down, you do have the pressure of, you know, maybe developing these these younger guys. But really, all Steve Kerr had to do in this last season was not only coach the guys on the court and do what he had to do, but he knew playoffs wasn't going to be a possibility. He really just had to focus on what's going on within the game as opposed to everything on the outside of it. And I just don't think we um, we give enough credit to coaches for doing that. I think that's for me, um, for example, Bruce Arians, right? The reason that he took some time off coaching is because the stress levels are just so damn high. And the way that it can affect your you know, your mental health and hit everything that surrounds it. These guys talk about it all the time, but there's also that certain addiction that they have to the rush of coaching, you know, to that feeling of gratification when you do win because there's nothing like it. And, you know, sometimes these coaches, when you hear them talk about it, it feels like when they're out of coaching, 
that they don't really uh, have much to do outside of it. I mean, you know, you can look at Stan Van Gundy as another example. And coming back with the Pelicans, it, it's, you know, tough the situation that he's got going on over there because he's got a bunch of uh, younger players, but I don't necessarily know if they mesh. Um, but it's tough on these coaches. And I think that's what Steve Kerr was talking about um, in, a, in a broader perspective. And I think that's something we need to look at and just try and understand with these coaches. Like, it's tough, man. It's it's a lot of stress trying to, you know, get that team back to where they want to go. And then not, not only that, you got all the outside noise looking in. You know, you got all the you know, all the tweets and all the Instagram posts and all the rumors when in reality the only people that truly know what's going on inside the locker room are these uh, are these guys. Uh, but I did think there was something else interesting that Steve Kerr said in the podcast, and it's great. I highly recommend you uh, check it out if you got some time uh, while you're not tuned into 95.7 The Game. But Steve Kerr uh, talked about Steph, and a lot of it was predicated on the Suns teams that he was a GM with uh, because Raja Bell had played for those teams, and Raja Bell's a part of the podcast. And they talked a little bit about Steve Nash and the leadership that he showed when he was in Phoenix. And then they went on to talk about Steph Curry. So here's uh, one of the other things, part of the Real Ones podcast that stood out to me with uh, from Steve Kerr. That's the power of a of a leader like Steve Nash, like Steph Curry. They make it possible for you to build a new and and whether it's an extension of your previous team or or a brand new team. I mean, if you still have that guy in the lead, he's gonna he's gonna turn it into something really positive. And I think that's what what's happening with Steph. So you got Steph, Dre, and Clay. Those guys are under contract. Steph's is up next year. When you heard Bob Myers earlier on with Steiny Guru and Dibs talking about Steph, and I would play the cup for you, but it's about a minute long, and we only got about six minutes left here. Um, but when Kerr talked about that with Steph and when Bob Myers talked about it, they sound incredibly confident that Steph feels good in the spot that he is in. And he's grown up here. And um, you heard Steph. He said there, you know, he's uh, he hasn't got much left to accomplish, but he's got a lot to prove. And I think that one of the things, if they do um, give him an extension, which I believe they will, one of the things that I believe um, that Steph can accomplish is leaving the Warriors whenever that time is in good hands, right? Leaving them into being a possible contender, teaching them the Warriors way. And I, I'm a big believer in that. And not only is Steph a part of that, but Draymond and Clay are a part of that. And a part of that. And let me just play this sound from Draymond um before we uh we continue to talk about this. But when we're talking about the core of Steph Clay and Dre, it's those intangibles, I think. Now, they have them already under contract, and, you know, you could bring in a couple of pieces for these guys and whatever. You could trade these contracts for someone who might be able to give you uh, some more scoring or, or whatever. But, look, the championships that they've brought, not only is it that, but the way that they can leave this Warriors team um in good hands, I think that I personally think that it's just for me, 
I think that it's paramount that they keep these guys together. And when we're talking about Draymond and needing the accountability, listen to the guy who gave him his accountability uh, after the game against the Hornets. Here's uh, Draymond talking about that time when Klay Thompson had to hold him accountable. I think the next day was the game I got kicked out of the game in Charlotte. And he said something in the locker room right after the game. The team huddled up and he said, Dre, you know, you got at me the other day about not being on the bench and, you know, not being supportive. And that was BS. I, I, I don't think I can say what I want to say on, on here, but that was BS. And, and you got to be better than that. You let the team down. You let the guys down. These guys play really hard to win that game. You let the guys down. That's not acceptable. You know, and so I said all of that to say, yes, I definitely still hold him accountable, but that's a two-way street. You know, you don't win uh, three championships, go to five straight five straight finals, and experience the success that we've experienced together if you can't hold each other accountable. Damn. <laughs> Talking this entire time about not getting quotes backwards. And then uh, I just mentioned that Steph uh, has nothing more to accomplish, but uh, – uh, much more to prove. Got that backwards. Tried thinking it off the top of my head. It's 5.55 in the morning. Uh, thank you, 510 and 408, who clarified it for me. Steph has nothing else to prove, but much more to accomplish. And continuing with the point, though, as we correct thyself. Thank you, text line. Um, but more to the point, though, is when I hear, you know, the way that Steph, Clay, and Trey talk, I know there's not much that you can draw from it because, after all, they are just press conferences, right? And whatever they say to the public, it's all, you know, calculated. But in my opinion, with the core that they have, if you are going to leave this team in good hands, you know, I think sticking with the contracts that they got now and they signed them to Dre and to Clay, and we'll see what they do with Steph. I do believe they're going to give an extension uh, to Steph. But when they do, the primary reason they're doing that is not only because, you know, with those three and whoever else, whether it's Wiseman and Wiggins in the starting five, whoever else it is, you do have a good chance of being a contender. So um, I do think that those contracts mean much more than just, you know, what they can give you uh, next season and the season beyond that. It's how they leave the Warriors um, when their careers are, you know, uh, starting to come to an end. And that's not to say they're all going to be Warrior lifers, but by the time their contracts are up, that's when the new generation of Warrior players is going to be called uh, called back up and expected to, um, you know, try and get back to where they want to be. And it's really, really tough, but I think that that's where the Warriors are set up right now. And, you know, we need Clay back. <laughs> That's also what I drew from the Draymond uh, quote. That was from the Dubs Talk podcast with uh, Grant Lipman and Kendra Andrews. You can check that out. Uh, the episode will be, re- will be released later on. And for the 707, you give him an extension because he's the best player slash person in the world. Not going to argue with that. Uh, they do have a matchup coming up tonight with the Philadelphia 76ers. And, of course, they will be without... Steph Curry, um, Kavon Looney will be coming back, and uh, and then we're going to await for uh, Wiseman and Pascal. Kerr said that if they do test negative this afternoon, then they will be available for the game. So what that means, um, we'll see. They are not going to be with Seth Curry. He's he's going to be out uh, for this one as well. And um, I mean, their starting lineup that they got uh, going out there. Ben Simmons for Con Corkmoss, Tony Bradley, Tobias Harris, Danny Green, 
and then Dwight Howard and Shake Milton uh, being the two primary guys off the bench. I think tonight's going to be a much more interesting game than it would it could have been uh, with all these guys healthy. But coming up next, the morning roast with Kate Scott, Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky, and Bonte Hill. Thanks so much for joining me, everyone. I'll be back tomorrow at 5 a.m. on 95.7 The Game.